Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Would you stand with me right now and would you just declare that right now? I won't go back to the way I used to be. Hallelujah. Let's love him right now. Let's worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your awesome spirit, Lord, is so real in this place today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, it would be so kind to turn with me the book of Psalms, chapter 139. Today, we're gonna look at the first few verses there in 139 of Psalms. But uh, I do wanna say, before I began here today, how much of a delight and a privilege it is of mine to be with you, to be with your wonderful pastor and his family. So appreciate them. Uh, they are such revered and respected people and uh, the Kileys are such great people and, and work so diligently and hard in assisting North American missionaries. And I wanna say thank you to this church for sharing them with uh, North American missions and helping missionaries across uh, really Wisconsin as well as across North America. Great blessing that this church is and they are uh, to the work of God. Uh, we, we have a lot of work to do in North America. There's a lot of work yet to do. Uh, when I consider the great mission field that is called North America, it might surprise you to know that today there is a city larger than 69 countries of the world in North America that has no apostolic church or voice in it. Quebec City today has nearly 750,000 in its metropolitan area, and there is not one apostolic church today. We've got work to do. Uh, the truth of the matter is when we give to Christmas for Christ, and I commend you for your offering and your giving to Christmas for Christ, but the reality is that only about a third of our missionaries even apply anymore for national funding because every year we're about $2 million short of being able to fund just the third of the applications that we receive. But we, we need to work on it, don't we? But it's through your efforts, through Christmas for Christ, through assisting missionaries in North America, I believe we can reach North America. Because as we reach North America, we will begin to reach the world. It's through establishing churches here, we'll be able to help and establish churches all over. And I wanna thank you for your efforts in helping us do that, amen. It's such a privilege to be here today. And uh, I, I came from Florida on Friday to be here. So one thing is true, I wanted to be here. Amen. And uh, I go to St. Louis tomorrow, so, uh, you know, anyway, state of misery, Missouri, and, uh, but uh, nevertheless, it's just good to be with you today. Psalms chapter 139, it's good to see the Zenobias, appreciate them. They're really kind of family, if you will. My wife's cousin married uh, brother Zen the Zenobia's son, and so kind of family, if you will. It's good to see them here as well. Psalms 139 verse one says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path 
and my lying down and are unacquainted with all my ways. Skipping to verse 13, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and incuriously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, when in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are also are thy thoughts unto me. Think about that. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being here. I thank you for your presence that is so real and true. I ask God that you would speak to every heart, every life here today. Cultivate our minds and our thinking, oh God, to grasp what you would desire to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated here today. Many in our society today are filled with depression, filled with low self-esteem and struggles and difficulties. In fact, many are unsure, down on themselves. In fact, unsure of what their place in society really is. And I would say today that that is a picture of much of our world and our society today. But yet, in reality, this same thing enters into the, the heart of the church. And in fact, there are many even in the church here today that are sitting with depressions, with, with frustrations low self-esteem, down, unsure, unaware of what your true purpose of life really could be and should be. I look at the word of God and I see that it really clearly is divided. The word of the Lord was divided into two categories, if you will, of people. One group of people were known as the Jews. In fact, the Jews were the benefactor of all the blessings and the promises that God had given and shared with Abraham. In fact, the Jews were a great blessing people. In fact, they still are a great blessed people. And, and because of a generational blessing and something that God had promised to them and to attain. And yet, in the Word of God, I also see a second group of people, and that was the Gentile in the Word of the Lord. And in the Gentile's life, there was, quite frankly, you're an outsider, if you will. And you, if you read, in the, even in the Old Testament and parts of the New Testament, you saw really an outsider's perspective looking in wanting blessing, wanting the opportunity, but yet having no hope, if you will. And yet I, I see this different class of people demonstrated when Jesus later said to his disciples, he said, go not into the Gentiles, but rather the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I'm not going to get into all the theological ramifications of that today, but it was a time and a dispensation, a period where Jesus was focusing upon the Jew and upon those promised people. 
There was even a time where uh, we saw uh, Jesus speak to the Syrophoenician woman and say, it is not good that I give the, the uh, children's bread to dogs representing the place of the Gentile, if you will. Yet there was a very clear understanding that if you were of the blood stock of Abraham, if you were a pure lineage of Abraham, there was a blessing that would be associated with your life. Not based upon your personal ability, not based upon what you had accomplished or done, but it was simply a lineage of blood that brought blessing to your life because of where you and whose you were born to. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12, he said that at that time ye were without Christ. How many know there was a time ye were without Christ? Paul said there was a time where you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in this world. There is a hopelessness. Paul was telling the Ephesian church, don't you understand that one point you were without hope? At one point you were looking into a blessing and a promise that you could not attain or ever have. There was a point where you looked into something that you only wished and dreamed you could be, having no hope. For you see, outside of that precious bloodline, there is no hope of opportunity. Outside that precious bloodline, there was no chance of a way out. There was a power of this great bloodline. For you see, this great bloodline represented, if you were a Jew, you were a benefactor of all the promises that were given to Abraham. But can I tell you that in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says to the Ephesian church, according as he had chosen us, in whom before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. There is a revelation of the fact that when we understand that God has chosen us, chosen you to be a benefactor of all the promises that God wants to give. David said later, or he said earlier in the Psalms, he said, when I begin to consider the fact that I was chosen, it's too big. It's too wonderful for me to really comprehend. He said, it's really too wonderful for me to understand. For before Adam, God chose you and I. God chose you and I to be a part of a bloodline. He chose us to be a part of something we did not deserve or could never attain on our own right. Just, uh, I guess it was... Wow, how time flies. I guess it was, it was last Sunday. Uh, when you do what I do, I guess you kind of forget where you're at at times. I think it was Sunday I was in Lexington. Monday I was in Cincinnati. Tuesday I was in St. Louis. Wednesday I was in Lakeland, Florida. Thursday I was in Ocala. Friday I was here. So kind of forget where you're at sometimes, if you will. But it was last Sunday that I was in Lexington, Kentucky. And if you've ever been to Lexington, Kentucky, it's a beautiful place. 
and uh, it's a, a magnificent place, and it, it's somewhat amazing because you, you don't really look at Kentucky as, as being a, a kind of a, a nice, wealthy area, if you will. But when you go to Lexington, Kentucky, in essence, it's kind of a, one of those anomalies, if you will. And, and you, you, you walk through Lexington, there's a little highway, uh, 60 something, 64, 69 or something uh, that runs out of Lexington. And as you're driving along that area, it's, it's a magnificent place. And there, as you drive by these beautiful farms and, and these horse farms, and these are places that are known because Lexington is known, it's because of the soil and the, 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 uh, 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 the, the minerals and, and things in the, in the actual soil that help the raising of these horses that they raise. In fact, Lexington, Kentucky is known as a thoroughbred raising country. And what is a thoroughbred? Well, a thoroughbred is known really as what's called a blood horse. Why is a thoroughbred known as a blood horse? Because for 300 years, thoroughbreds have been genetically designed and researched and, and carefully understood the complexities of ensuring the fact that this horse was bred to be a champion. A thoroughbred inside of its own genetics is literally is researched and bred to be a champion. And when you go through and look at the farms there in Lexington, Kentucky, you see that no doubt uh, there have been many champions that have been a result uh, of that great lineage and, and that great opportunity. But as I'm driving through Lexington, Kentucky, I'm reminded that today, if you and I were to want to purchase a, a thoroughbred, and, and I'm talking about a real good thoroughbred, bread. We'd need several hundred thousand dollars. That's already out of my league. And yet in order to do so, you, you would not just go into an auction and say, I want to buy a thoroughbred. No, you would approach what is known as a bloodstock agent. And that is a person who essentially researches the lineage of the bloodline of the horse in which you're going to purchase. Because he will research everything about that horse. He'll figure out the, the lung, the, the, the lung size, the heart size, the, the strength. He'll look at the, 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 the knees. He'll look at the strike of the horse's hoof. He'll look at all those things and he'll go and research the very uh, gene genealogy and, and the genetics of that particular horse. He'll research uh, its, its grandfather and grandmother. Uh, it'll know everything about that horse. Uh, and then finally, when they look at that little colt, uh, they will say, you know what? That colt is worth seven or $800,000. Not because that colt has ever accomplished anything in its life. Uh, not because it's ever ran a race. It's never, in fact, been on a racetrack in many cases. Uh, but the fact is this, uh, that that colt, what it will become has already been decided in its genetics. Its lineage has already decided what that cult will become and be. As I begin to think and I begin to ponder about that, when I look at the fact that this bloodstock agent, when he goes and he looks for horses, he's not caring about what color that horse is. He doesn't care whether it's ugly or pretty. He doesn't really care about what that horse looks like. But what he cares about is the blood. 
Because if the blood is right, it will be a champion. He's only caring about that blood. They don't purchase based on its achievements. They're not looking at the fact it may be weak need. It's not dependent upon victories of its own achievements. But the victories of passed down generations is what causes a decision to purchase. There's no concern for its present look and state. Because if the blood is right, it will be a champion. And yet when I look at this great thing, when that cult, when that cult is decided about whether to purchase or not, they are purchasing that cult and the understanding that what that cult will be has already been decided. What it will become is no accident because for generation is, and generations it has been planned to be a certain thing. It kind of puts into perspective when I read the scripture here moments ago when David said, you researched me. You, speaking of God, you knew my strengths and my weaknesses. For I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I'm looking at some people here today. Some of you don't like yourself too much. You don't like who you are when you look in the mirror. You don't like who you think you are. You don't like what God made you to be. But you, the reality is today, I'm telling somebody, God chose you. Heaven is not surprised by you. You. Heaven knows about who you are and what you can become. He said in verse 16, before I was here, he knew every part of me. He understood me. He understood about me. If I'm sick, he can heal me. I'm reminded it was mentioned the story this morning in the great Bible lessons that we heard a little while ago about the prophet Jeremiah. Can I remind you that as Jeremiah, the young boy, God began to speak to him. The first thing Jeremiah said was, I'm just a child. Don't you know I'm I'm just a kid but God said say not I am a child because before you were born I ordained thee to be a prophet to the nations in other words Jeremiah I know what's in the bloodline You may not know, but I know. David said, when I begin to consider, when I begin to look at the fact, how precious it is when I understand that I'm a part of something greater. See, I'm here today to tell somebody, your value is not in your present state. I said, your value is not in your present state. We look at circumstances of individuals and sometimes we judge them by where they are at that moment, not realizing there may be some different things at work. I remember 18, 19, 20 years old, Bible college student, had the privilege of being asked to go to a church in, uh, uh, well, somewhere geographic, I'm not going to go exactly where it is, but great church and asked a youth pastor at that church over the summer. Had a great time in that church, wonderful youth group. We had a big Greyhound bus. We had everything financially that we could possibly need. It was one of those dream opportunities you dream of when you're in Bible college. If I could just get an opportunity like this, it'd be amazing. Well, I was still in Bible college and got that opportunity. 
and I'm there. We had great revival over the summer. The pastor came to me and said, come on, you got to stay, man. You can't go back to school. You got to stay. And in my heart, I thought, you know what? I really love to stay, but you know, I, I need to go back and finish what I started. I already started something. It's called college and I'm one year away from completion. I need to go back and finish it. And, and then I, I've got the rest of my life for ministry. And so I, I, I made the decision to go back. Well, you know, it, it was tough call because by the time I got out of school, they'd already hired somebody else, you know? And so there I am without a place to go, if you will. And, but, but I remember later on as I, I, I landed in a place where uh, we had a, a huge youth group, two kids. We had transportation. It was somebody's borrowed van. Good news is we had plenty of seats. And I remember showing up at the youth congress that year with our entire youth group. And I remember pulling up to the hotel and getting out and would you know the first group that I saw was that big bus of that youth group that I had been youth pastor of. I had developed the youth team. The youth team's getting off. I was the one that organized that youth team. And yet I'm watching them get off the bus and file off one after another. One of the youth team members walked over and said, hey, Brother Bill, how you doing? I said, man, it's great. How are you doing? Oh, good. He said, are you here with your youth group? I said, yeah. He said, where are they? I said, right here. He said, no, your youth group. I said, yeah, right here. And I watched as he kind of, all of a sudden he had something else better to do and he took off and I was sitting there thinking wait a minute I haven't changed it's still me what's going on but at least in his mind my worth was not near as what I was worth when I was there versus where I was at that moment but can I tell somebody your value is not in your present state because when they go and they look at the bloodstock agent, looks at horses and these colts, these little weak kneed colts that have never run a race in their lives. And some would say, well, how much are you going to pay for that colt? You've got to be out of your ever living mind a half a million dollars for that. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a good deal. In what world? He's never done anything. He's never accomplished anything. It doesn't matter. You're not buying what that horse has accomplished in its own right. What you're getting is the lineage of blood because what that colt will be has already been decided. I'm telling somebody here today what you've got to understand. It's not your present state. Jesus showed up in that bloodline. Can I tell you, we were at one point Gentiles looking outside of a bloodline that we could not get in. But thank God. In Galatians, Paul told the Galatian church in verse 29 of chapter 3, he said, and if ye be Christ, you are who? Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Wait a minute. I'm outside looking in. I don't have the privilege of the bloodline. But Paul said to the Galatian church, wait a minute. If ye be Christ, 
then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What he was saying was this, if you will get in Christ, it puts a whole new meaning to that word scripture that says, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Because if I can get in Christ, everything's going to change about my bloodline. You see, that's why he said to Nicodemus, who was a Jew, he said, you've got to be born again of water and of spirit. Why? Because there's a bloodline that you really need to become a part of. I'm going to conquer hell, death, and the grave. It's a bloodline that you can become a part of. I'm celebrating the fact that it's not my victory, but it's his victory. It's the victory of what he has accomplished in destroying death, hell, and the grave in my life. It's because of his blood. It's because of his grace. It's because of the opportunity to become a part of this bloodline. It's that power of the bloodline that changes everything. It's that power of the bloodline that transforms us from the little weak need cult into something that can become a champion. It's that power of the bloodline that flows through us. Because let me just tell you, when you become a part of the bloodline, how do I get there? I'll tell you how you get there. Peter in Acts chapter two said, you want this, you can have it. It's for you, your children, and all them that are far off, even as as many as the Lord our God shall call. You want it? Here's how you do it. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said... Baptism important? Absolutely baptism is important. Baptism is just as important as repentance. Come on now, the baptism is just as important as repentance. Repentance gets me forgiven. Baptism, I get to take a bath. Baptism cleanses that. What happens? Well, you look at the Old Testament tabernacle. In repentance, that place of death and suffering, there was blood applied. You go to that laver of water, there was blood all over that laver of water. Why? Because when they walked in there, they would mix that water and blood. While they were washing from head to toe, there was a washing happening, but there was blood applied. I believe the blood was applied in, in burial in that great place of baptism. I believe that whenever you go down in that watery grave of baptism, and by the way, if you haven't been baptized, you don't need to leave here today I know it's cold outside but that water is warm because what happens in baptism I'll tell you what happens in baptism when you get buried in his name all of a sudden something happens inside of you there is a transformation there is a clean feeling that comes over you why because he is washing that sin away his name is being applied to your life in baptism now all of a sudden there is a lineage that is beginning to operate and now God said all right you've been you've been forgiven you've been washed now I want to come in and live inside of you through God's spirit and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, God lives inside of us. If ye be Christ, how do I fully become Christ? I've got to be buried in his name. How do I fully become Christ? I've got to repent of my sins. How do I fully become Christ? I've got to be filled with a glorious gift of God's spirit inside of me, that baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when it happens, I'm going to speak a language I didn't know. But when I do, I become a part of a bloodline that
that I am not capable of being a part of in my own ability and strength. Because when we become a part of that bloodline, see, here's the thing. Whenever I become a part of the bloodline, something happens. All of a sudden now, it's not just my faith that I'm living in and operating on. Some of you look at individuals and you say, oh, if I could only be that, or if I could only do that. Don't you compare yourself with Christians that have been around here and people who have been born again for many years. Because what you don't know is at one point they were just like you. But when they were buried into this name and baptism, when they became a part of the bloodline, something happened in their lives. And all of a sudden, it's just not their faith. But now it's the faith of Abraham because there's a bloodline. Now all of a sudden, it's not just their strength. How are they so strong? It's not just their strength. There's a bloodline of Samson back there. And there's some strength beyond their measure of understanding. How do they see so well? Well, the vision of Ezekiel, it's in that bloodline. Bloodline. How in the world can you possibly have a heart like that? It's the heart of David because it's in the bloodline. Why are you so victorious? The victory of Shamgar, it's in my bloodline. Why can you have such wisdom? The wisdom of Solomon and Isaiah, it's in the bloodline. In Christ, his bloodline is passed down to you and I. I can now all of a sudden do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me because it's not about me. It's about a bloodline. It's about his royal blood now flows through my veins. I was a Gentile and stood outside of the promises of God only looking in, wanting more. I could not be blessed the Apostle Paul said, outside, I looked in, but I, once I was looking out, but oh, I was not heirs according to the promise. But one day, if I be in Christ, I am a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Opportunity and life is given. See, I was lost, but then was born again, was adopted into this thing, and I became a part of the bloodline of a winner. You see, Dr. Felix Rue and Louis Pasteur were both medical doctors in France over 100 years ago. These two men dedicated their lives as they worked on what they considered to be the germ theory interested them so much about the germ theory was the fact that Dr. Rue, his granddaughter had died of a disease called black diphtheria. In fact, uh, it had taken her life and he became determined to find out what had killed his granddaughter. Dr. Lou and Ruish, or Rue and Louis Pasteur worked hard to find out and experiment on this, this germ theory. And finally, when they began to expose the germ theory, the medical association of that day banished them from the city they lived in because they felt like they were mad and ignorant and unlearned. And yet one day, Dr. Rue and Louis Pasteur invited all the scientists and doctors and nurses of that day out to the field where they were. And he said, I want you to come and watch 
this experiment. He took 20 of the most beautiful horses that you can imagine. He took those 20 and he led them out into this little field area and out right outside of his lab. And he, he, he took a bucket of this disease called black diphtheria and this bucket that was full of this disease. And, and, and he, he began to take a, a, a tool and he rubbed it, rubbed this, this disease on the eyes of the horses and he rubbed it in the mouth and nostrils of these great beautiful horses. Well, it was to no one's surprise that after several days, all the horses had developed high fevers and in fact, all but one of them had died. Most grew tired of waiting for this last horse to die. But finally, Dr. Rue Lewis Pasteur left the nurse there by its side. Let me know if there's any change. I need to know as soon as possible. Several days after lying there, that horse began to show a sign of recovery. The fever broke. The horse could stand and now began to eat and drink. Dr. Rue was summoned to the side of that horse, but much to the chagrin of just the handful of people there, Dr. Rue took something and dealt a death blow to that horse. Quickly gathering vials of blood from that horse, Dr. Rue and Lewis Pasture quickly ran to the hospital of that day, bursting into the medical ward where 300 babies were waiting to die from this disease called black diphtheria. They quickly inoculated every one of those babies, much to the amazement of all around. All but three of those babies survived. Why? Why could they survive a disease that had truly taken the lives of so many and would have no doubt taken their own lives? The reason they were able to survive was when they were inoculated and injected. They were injected with the blood of an overcomer. I'm telling somebody here today, you say, how could I ever be free from the things that I'm bound in? How could I ever have hope or life in this world? Can I tell you that today in this altar is a place, an opportunity where you can have an injection with the blood of an overcomer. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. The very essence of what Christ did at Calvary was he came and he said, you know what, death, hell, and the grave, you're gonna lose your power. Why? Because I'm gonna overcome death, hell, in the grave. I'm going to give a hope that cannot be brought by humankind and human measure. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be part of a bloodline that you could never be a part of in your own right. Would you stand with me today? There is opportunity here today. It's a bloodline that he'd like you and I to be a part of. I'm talking to somebody here today. You don't feel like there's much value in your present state. And yet God looks down on you and says, you don't understand. It's not about your present state. It's about who I've already destined you to become. It's who, and I'm not, I do not believe at all in predestination. Don't misunderstand that, all right? I don't believe we're predestined. We have a choice. There will be people here today that will walk out with the same issues that you walked in here with because you'll make a choice not to come to this altar. But the reality is 
God would say to you, come on, get over that stuff. Come on down to the altar because there's a bloodline that you can become a part of. There's an opportunity. Why just Wednesday night, this past Wednesday night, I watched as on just a regular scheduled Wednesday night service, I watched as two people came to an altar of repentance second time visitors came to an altar of repentance and I watched as the Holy Ghost began to move on their lives and right after they prayed a while of repentance I watched as they made their way to a baptism and they were baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the mission of their sins and I watched as they came out of that water with a new look in them there was an excitement there was a joy there was a peace because the blood the blood had been applied the blood was being applied and you know what I believe they didn't get the Holy Ghost right then, but I believe they're going to get the Holy Ghost soon. Pastor looked at me and said, man, they're so close. They're liable to get the Holy Ghost in their bedroom tonight. But you don't even have to wait till tonight. You can come right here, right now. You can get the Holy Ghost right here. God can change your bloodline. So I'm... So I'm opening these altars up for all of us. The scripture said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. I'm opening up for all of us that the Lord Jesus Christ would move in our midst right now. That the blood of Calvary would cover right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I plead the blood right now. I want us to gather around right now. Maybe you've been a part of this thing for years and the enemy keeps telling you you're a nothing. You're a nobody. You're insignificant. No, you're a part of a bloodline. There is faith in you that you don't even realize. There is trust. There is strength in you that is not about you. It's about him. His royal blood now flows through my veins. That's it. That's it. I need some people to gather around and pray right now. I need some folks to gather in here right now and pray. The Holy Ghost is Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.